The mission is simple, to help high achievers naturally eliminate emotional and physical obstacles so they can optimize their life for higher achievement. Welcome. You have just entered the Genesis Zone. Good day and welcome to the Genesis Zone show. This is Dr. Brian Brown. Thank you for taking time out of your busy, busy schedule on this Thursday at noon Eastern Standard Time to join us. Uh, We're so glad you're here. Um, I don't take that for granted. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have you ever felt blah or melancholy or maybe even depressed when you were dieting? Well, in today's episode, I'm going to reveal the one diet type that new research tells us can lead to depression. I'll also be discussing the gene hacking techniques I've found that work to combat this phenomenon. And I'll follow up with the latest research on genetics and exercise. Both of these studies uh, came out recently. One of them came out uh, in July. The other one came out uh, pre-publication. It's not even out yet, really. It'll be out in November. Uh, So this is brand spanking new information. So stay tuned. Have you, uh, having, having been over 390 pounds myself, I've experimented with a lot of diets. You name it, I've done it. There's hardly a diet I've not heard of. In fact, I mean, I was thinking the other day or when I was writing this, it was like the cabbage soup diet. I I remember the cabbage soup diet. I I don't even think you can Google that and find anything about it anymore. But uh, it's an an old diet where you eat cabbage soup like three times during the day and then you eat like a sensible um, meal at night usually chicken and vegetables. Um, But anyway, some of those diets that I tried worked. uh, Many of them did did not work. Or if they did, quote unquote, work to cause weight loss, the weight didn't stay off. It just came right back on. Now, having profiled myself genetically in the past few years, I now know that I need a combination of a paleo and Mediterranean diet type with higher protein, lower fat, and a moderate amount of complex carbohydrates. Now, in the past two years, I experimented uh, not so much with a diet, but more with a lifestyle change. Uh, professionally, I had read for for decades of my professional career about the benefits of vegan and vegetarian eating. So I wondered if I could find some paleo or Mediterranean guidelines for eating vegan or vegetarian. Uh, Sure enough, there's plenty of information about uh, doing a paleo or Mediterranean uh, vegan or vegetarian uh, lifestyle. And over a nine-month period, I decided to take the dive headlong into it. Now, I'm never one to do anything halfway. I always go full force into something. Um, I don't like easing into things. I think it just prolongs the pain. Just make the change and and do it. So that's what I did with a vegan lifestyle. So over a nine-month period for four and a half months, I did strict vegan. And then for the last four and a half months, I did strict vegetarian. And I use the word strict loosely because moving from vegan to vegetarian means you're, you're less strict. You allow yourself to have some dairy and possibly even eggs and things like that. So um, 
different people define vegetarian differently, but I allowed myself to have some eggs. I allowed myself to, to have some uh, dairy type program, uh, protein in the form of yogurt and things like that. Here, here's what I learned. My body needs more than plant-based uh, protein sources. Uh, but even uh, the, the even bigger thing that I noticed was that I was more melancholy during those nine months, whether I was on the vegan plan or the vegetarian plan. I, I think it was worse on the vegan plan than it was the vegetarian plan, um, this, this melancholy feeling. Now, I was not depressed. Uh, I've got 16 years with nine different antidepressants worth of experience with that beast to know when it happens. Uh, I was simply more melancholy. Um, I wasn't sure why, because I've been off of prescription antidepressants for eight years now by implementing a highly specialized protocol based on my genetics. Uh, Then just this week, uh, I found an article that's been, uh, when I was researching for the show, I found this article um, that has been accepted for pre-publication in the Journal of Affective Disorders, and it'll be published in November of this year. So to say you're hearing this early is an understatement. It's several months early. And in this particular study that was published, uh, the study looked at uh, almost 50,000 participants. It was actually 49,889 participants. Uh, Of those 49,889 participants, 8,057 of them were vegetarians. The rest of them were non-vegetarians. They found that um, vegetarians showed significantly higher depression scores than non-vegetarians. Now, the problem with this is, is because this is a pre-publication, I don't have the full article yet. So I can't actually look at the, the structure of the study, which is critically important. I can't actually look at um, the specifics of how they define significantly higher depression scores, quote unquote. Um, I'll keep an eye on this one when it comes out in November, and I'll report back to you what I think uh, are any flaws in this study or strengths in this study and uh, let let you know what I find out. But if I'm being completely honest, um, I see depression among my my vegetarian and vegan lifestyle uh, clients. Uh, with with vegetarian and vegan lifestyle becoming more popular, I have a growing number of clients who fit into that category. The question then becomes, what do we do about this phenomenon? Uh, well, the first thing I do is is look at their genetics. You know, I want to know what their level of methylation is. And this is critical. I'm not talking about the level of methylation that you get when you do a, a direct consumer type of genetic test like 23andMe. Uh, that only looks at one one phase two at most, and they're leaving the bulk of the of the phases of methylation out of the loop. I've had people show up and say, "Oh, I've already had twenty three and me done. My methylation is fine." And I look at it, and sure enough, they don't have any issues with methylation on the twenty three and me test. And then when I when I do our genetics and we look at all five, because we're looking at sixteen different genes, and we look at all five phases of the methylation pathway this person ends up with a lot of times um, a single digit methylation. 
or, or low two-digit methylation, 11, 12% they're methylating at. That's not good. Uh, it's not survivable. And, and, and people will tell you that, uh, yeah, I do have brain fog. I have low energy. I have melancholy mood. I have anxiety, those types of things, whether they're vegan or vegetarian or not. So compound that with a vegan and vegetarian lifestyle where they're not getting, getting red meat, where they can actually get those B vitamins and actually convert some of those into the methylated form. They're really behind the eight ball. So we combine lifestyle with genetics and we've got this epigenetic storm that puts a vegetarian or vegan at high risk for being depressed. Um, Also, when I look at genetics, I want to look at their neurotransmitter genes. I want to look at the overall health of those. Which of those neurotransmitter genes are working for us? Which of them are working against us? Then I want to look at neuroinflammation genes. Um, And then lastly, I want to look at their vitamin and mineral genetic profile to see how they assimilate the vitamins and minerals that they are taking in from their diet and to see if they have any deficiencies, which are quite common among uh, vegetarian and vegan people. Uh, In my experience, the the answer for uh, vegetarian and vegan-related depression lies in these areas. Now, once you know which bad genetic switches are turned on and which good genetic switches are turned off, then we can develop a plan to correct those imbalances and get the bad switches cut off and get the good switches turned back on very quickly. In fact, I've had significant results with my my vegetarian and vegan clients as soon as three weeks by simply naturally supporting the genes to function at their highest ability. Um, Now, since we're on the subject of, of healthy lifestyle and diet, let's switch gears a little bit to exercise. And let me tell you about another study that just came out. Uh, Now, for years, research has proven that regular exercise reduces the incidence of heart disease, type 2 diabetes, cancer, neuropsychiatric conditions such as depression, anxiety, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's. We even know that from a neuropsychiatric perspective, if a person starts incorporating exercise after they have one of these conditions, those conditions improve in their symptom profile. But here's the rub. Though the benefits of exercise have been known for decades, and we all know this, the exact mechanism was previously unknown. That is until now. Here's what I've suspected for years that researchers at the University of Copenhagen have discovered and just published. They found that well-published, the, the, the well-published benefits of exercise appear to come from, you guessed it, epigenetic changes to the structure of your DNA. They specifically looked at sedentary study participants. They looked at young males. I wish they had included females in there, and I wish they had included a a bigger strata of age ranges in there, but they looked at young sedentary males, and they took muscle, muscle tissue samples by the way, that's really painful. <laughs> they took muscle muscle tissue uh, samples at the beginning of the study, and they took more muscle tissue samples at the end of the six weeks uh, when the study concluded. Uh, and during that six-week time, these previously sedentary study participants, these young males, were instructed to follow an endurance exercise regimen pr- you know, program. Um, and, and then they retested the, the muscle fibers. 
here's what they found. They found that endurance exercise literally turned on the genetic switches in the skeletal muscle, which previous research has shown us will signal for positive changes and target organ systems such as the heart, uh, brain, and endocrine systems. Um, in the world of genetics, this is a pretty big deal, as, as you can imagine. And in my opinion, uh, this will open the door for further genetic research in the areas of cancer, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, and, and neuropsychiatric conditions. In the meantime, we need to keep doing our endurance exercise routines. Uh, what are endurance exercises? If you don't know, uh, running is an endurance exercise, brisk walking. Now, I will tell you, it, it has to be brisk walking. It cannot be walking the dog for the sake of walking the dog. If you have a, a working type of dog, um, working dog, meaning a dog that is bred to have a certain task, like German Shepherds are working dogs. Uh, golden retrievers, yellow labs, black labs, the bigger dog uh, dogs typically are your working breed dogs. Um, if you can walk your dog without without having to stop all the time and your dog's keeping up pace with you, then it's okay to do your brisk walk walking your dog. But if you're taking your dog out for a bathroom break, that does not include, that can't be included in your walking. OK, um, as someone listening to this podcast right now, I know because they're on here every week, they walk their dog, but they happen to live on a mountain and they literally walk their dog up the mountain and back and they spend about an hour doing that every day. That would be endurance exercise. OK, uh, swimming is also an endurance exercise. Biking is, a, is an endurance exercise. Dancing is an endurance exercise. Stair climbing is an endurance exercise. Playing tennis, basketball or this this new thing that has come out of the military in the past 20 years, pickleball. Pickleball is just kind of a, a smaller form of tennis with a different type of racket. Um, but uh, those types of things are endurance exercises. Uh, if you want something that you can do at home very easily without having to have a gym membership, you can do those things. But here's another here, here's another example of some things that you can do uh, just from a muscle building endurance perspective. Uh, you want to warm up for about 60 seconds with jumping jacks. Uh, you can jog in place. That's fine, too. But about 60 seconds of a warm up. And then you want to go into a plank position, hold that for 30 seconds. And then you want to do body weight squats. You want to do about 15 of those. Then uh, if you've got some free weights, fine. If you don't, use um, use, use a gallon jug of, of anything. If it's a gallon jug of water, um, that's fine. Fill it to the level where you feel like the weight is right and do bicep curls with that. And you could do 15 reps of those. So, uh, planks for 30 seconds, body weight squats for 15 reps, bicep curls for 15 reps, each arm, uh, pushups, 15 reps, walking lunges, uh, jogging, uh, for walking lunges for 15 reps, jogging in place for 30 seconds. And this completes one cycle. So do all of those straight through as best you can. Uh, and do this for three cycles, uh, taking no longer than a 60 second break after completing each of those cycles before starting the next cycle. So hopefully that kind of gives you a, a broad overdue, overview of the, of the news this week in the world of genetics. We've got two big things here. One is that 
uh, vegan and vegetarian people are predisposed to depression simply with the, the, the type of eating that they do. There's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, the authors in the study actually thought it had more to do with the lack of nutrients they were getting in their, in their diet because they're not eating red meat. I think that partially has to do with it, but I also think it has to do with genetics because I see that clinically. And then number, the number two thing is we've now figured out the epigenetic link between exercise and the health benefits that exercise gives us, especially endurance exercise. So we need to do endurance exercise. If you're not doing endurance exercise, you need to start that now. I do, depending on my week, three to five days worth of endurance exercise um, uh, throughout the week. And uh, it's really important for your brain health, the cardiovascular health, your respiratory health, uh, believe it or not, your skin health, your muscle health, everything. So uh, start doing those things. And I outline that if you if you missed it, go back and listen to it uh, and, 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 and know that little routine that you can do every morning if you if you choose to do it. So if you're feeling like you're not operating at your highest and best performance level uh, physically, mentally, or you're curious about knowing your your genetic uh, results so you can get back to feeling great again. I'd love to talk to you. Uh, reach out to me on Instagram or Facebook at Dr. Brian G. Brown and send me a message. I'll be glad to help you any way I can. Also, this fall, coming up really, really quickly in the next couple of months, I'm going to be launching another Gene Hack Bootcamp. Uh, now, you'll want to be on the waiting list for this because I'm going to limit spots to that boot camp again. Uh, to get placed on the waiting list, go to drbriangbrown.com forward slash gene hack and follow the instructions there. Um, again, direct message me on Instagram or Facebook at drbriangbrown uh, and go to drbriangbrown.com forward slash gene hack to reserve your place uh, in in this in the upcoming boot camp. Um, it, I can't tell you enough the feedback that we got from the first boot, boot camp and those that are currently enrolled in, enrolled in the Gene Hack Accelerator, which is the, the next step if you choose to take that step, uh, where we actually do your genetic profiling and teach you how to interpret your own genes and how to live with your own genes and, and, and what, what all that means for you personally. Um, if you're interested in any kind of way, it's really a good way to get your foot in the door and start understanding this world of genetics as it applies to you, uh, personally, uh, this is not some generic program that says, okay, this is the 40,000 foot overview for everybody. No, this is very personalized just for you. So tune in next Thursday at noon Eastern standard time, uh, for our next in the zone segment where I'll be sharing, uh, the latest research and my insights about that research as it relates to optimizing your official, uh, a physical and emotional uh, wellness journey. Most informed, most trusted, and most grateful you spent this time with us today. Until next time, stay in the zone. I'm Dr. Brian Brown.